welcome to another edition of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. We are right here live, man. We definitely appreciate HR for joining us, however you may be listening, wherever you may be. However you may be listening to the podcast, we definitely appreciate y'all for tuning us in. Got the whole crew with us today, Justice Bolden, Evan DeVold with me. I'm Josh Midget. We're all here today. Uh, big, big interview today. Looking forward to it. But Justice, as we always kick it off, man, let people know how they can hit us up on social media and uh, catch up with the show and uh, subscribe and all that stuff. Well, they can follow us on Twitter at Deliberation SP1, on Instagram at Deliberation Sports, and on Facebook at Deliberation Sports Podcast. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Be sure you check us out, man. You can see all the links to where you can subscribe to the podcast, everything from iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and more. Basically, wherever you got podcasts, you can find Deliberation Sports. Just search Deliberation Sports, and you will find us there. So, without any further ado, going to get right into the interview here we have with us right now. The uh, current assistant coach uh, with Texas Tech. Got a big game coming up this weekend. Um, and I've, me personally, definitely got to talk to him on, on my radio show multiple, multiple times, dating back to his time in Memphis and Texas A&M with the, with the Memphis Hustle now with Texas Tech. That is Coach Glenn Cyprian. Coach, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How you guys making out back in Memphis? I'm doing great. Doing great. Good, Coach. Uh, this is Evan. I just wanted to start off, man. Uh, appreciate you coming on board with us again, man. But for the listeners who are, I know a lot of Memphians are familiar with you, but for the people who are not in Memphis who listen to the Liberation Sport Podcast, can you kind of give us a rundown of your of your background and your coaching coaching history? I know you have uh, almost thirty years of coaching, if not more. You had multiple stops at uh, big time programs like Kentucky, Arkansas, Memphis, Oklahoma State, and now Texas Tech. Can you kind of just give the listeners a a little background of your coaching history, if you don't mind? Yeah, I've been very fortunate. Uh, kind of like you said, I've had uh, twenty six years of college coaching. And then from there, uh, my last college job, I was at AM. And then I went on to the Grizzlies uh, for four seasons where uh, all four years I was director of player personnel. The last two years with the Grizzlies, I've carried two titles. One with director of player personnel. The other was the head coach of the Iowa Energy, which at the time was our D-League team with uh, or for the Memphis Grizzlies. And then last year was uh, our first year of the expansion team being the Memphis Hustle last year. So uh, after the 26 years of uh, college, you know, last, like I said, four years was in the NBA. And then uh, this this year here is another year of college uh, basketball. And again, I've been very fortunate, had a lot of great stops. I haven't had one bad job, man. I just, like you said, I've been able to reach a lot of young men and, and see a lot of guys going to obviously play into the pros and, and uh, just touch a lot of guys. And uh, for that, I've been very grateful and thankful for this career that I've had so far. Okay. Now, I heard I, we know that you coached in the G League. Uh, you were affiliated with the Memphis Hustle, which was affiliated with the Memphis Grizzly. Uh, can you tell me, were there any difference in coaching on the college level and the pro level? Uh, was there any new challenges? Kind of kind of give us a little insight behind that. Uh, were there any real challenges from coaching? I mean, in the G League, they are professionals. Uh, they're trying to reach a goal and get to the NBA. Uh, but are there any challenges between – different challenges, I might add, between coaching in college and the pro level? 
Yeah, you know, I think the number one thing is that obviously G League guys, no matter how much they made, they they were playing professionally. And then their goals was a little bit different in that, you know, the majority of the G League guys wanted to get called up, uh, except for your two two-way guys, which, you know, last year I had Kobe Simmons and I had Vince Hunter and uh, uh, was my two two-way guys uh, last season. But I, I think the major deal and what I tried to do was I tried to emphasize I wanted to keep it into uh, like a college atmosphere in that I wanted the guys to work hard. I wanted to treat it a little bit different, treat it as if, you know, sort of like a family. Uh, a lot of things we did that G League teams don't do. We had team meals and, you know, celebrated Christmas, celebrated Thanksgiving. And so I wanted to try to have it as a transition from college to G League to really have our guys in an atmosphere where uh, they can have success. And uh, last season, our first year expansion-wise, thought we had a really good year, won the last four out of five games, uh, beat the the, uh, the champions last year, which was the Spurs, beat them two out of three times. But uh, had two guys get called up in Marcus T. And uh, uh, and he, you know, went on to have, obviously, a good career. And then we had Omari Johnson get called up. So, uh, but to answer your question, there is a difference. You know, guys are playing for money versus – playing with the scholarship I think in some ways the goals are the same because everybody want to play at the high level and that's the way we try to treat it we, we treat them all like professionals but knowing that you know everyone tried it they wanted to be uh, up with the grip now coach this is justice uh, speaking of kids wanting to be professionals right right now you're at Texas Tech and, and you guys currently got a top 25 recruiting class uh, last year Zaire, Zaire Smith uh, was a one and done who was drafted by Phoenix and ends up with the 76ers. What are some of the selling points uh, in convincing recruits to attend Texas Tech? And is having a staff who where you got coaches with pro experience, is that a part of it? Yeah, we've been very fortunate. I think it starts at the top. We've got, first of all, we've got a boss here, the head coach, Chris Beard, who's uh, is great at developing talent. Last year, like you said, we had Zaire, who was not even a top 150 player. And uh, in one season, and averaging only 10 points and maybe five rebounds, was able to get itself as a, a top 16 pick. This season, we've got a kid right now uh, who we think is, is going to, you know, probably be somewhere in the teens, uh, maybe early 20s. Uh, Jared Culver, who you guys will see play tomorrow for us, a 6'5", 6'6", guard, who's really dynamic, who's a good player. But to get back to your question, uh, this program is all about development. Uh, the one thing we can sell, now, obviously, is you're playing in a great league. You're playing against uh, uh, really good teams in the league that, uh, you know, that, that have won national championships. So the tradition is there. And, again, we've got a great staff of – uh, you know, everyone I work with on staff here has been head coaches and there's a lot of experience. The selling point, like you said, is the fact that I'm coming from the pros. Guys want to hear that. That's obviously their goals and who best to tell them besides myself, a guy who's coming from the pros and what the teams are looking for. So that's been a huge selling point. We've been very fortunate this early signing period to get four really good players signed, a top 30, top 35 kid out of out of uh, Dallas who we think is going to be good and three other really good players. So it's been very, very positive. Now, Coach, you mentioned uh, Chris Beard, who's pretty young in his career, but he's already one of the hottest risers in the in the coaching game. That connection come about and how is it uh, like working alongside him every day? Yeah, it was, you know, I've known I've known Chris for a long time, uh, just through uh, being on the road to recruiting against each other, competing. He was at uh, he was at Texas Tech 
prior with uh, with Bob Knight, with Coach Knight. So just being on the road, spending time, getting a chance to know him. Uh, initially, when the job came available, I really didn't have any interest in it. I thought I'd stay in the pros. Uh, they called me in, in reference to some other names of some other guys. But as we got to talking, as the process went on and on, it just made sense. Uh, and I kind of had a little bit of an urge to get back to college. Uh, our relationship really helped. We also have on the staff here Sean Sutton, the son of Eddie Sutton, who's a legend, coached at Arkansas, Kentucky. He and I coached together at Oklahoma State back in 2000, 2004, which we had Tony Allen that was uh, part of our team, our Final Four team back there. So there were some already, there were some relationships uh, that was already uh, bonded. And so it was kind of an easy transition for me. But uh, this guy's got a fabulous staff. The way things is done here is, is to, we talked about culture every day and we talk about, you know, developing players on a daily basis. We talk about process and it shows the way our guys play. Definitely, definitely, Coach, man. This is Josh, man. It's definitely good to talk to you again, man. And, you know, uh, you spent a lot of time in Memphis. Um, how was your time uh, with the Tigers and especially uh, the lastly uh, with the hustle? And uh, how big of a sports town is the city of Memphis, in your opinion? Because you got it from just about every angle imaginable, working with the Grizzlies and the Tigers as well, um, as well as the first – um, G League team for the Memphis, named after Memphis, the Memphis Hustle uh, down in South Haven. Uh, talk about that experience working with the Grizzlies and what's it like just being in – what was it like working basketball in Memphis? Yeah, you know, Memphis is – and I, I tell people, man, it, there's, there's just avid fans in, in Memphis. It, it's a smaller version, in my opinion, of Kentucky. And what I mean by that is I think Kentucky is nationally uh, obviously a well-known program in terms of the fan support. Uh, I think Memphis is obviously well-known nationally in terms of the tradition of the program, but the fan support that you have that regionally there in the Memphis area, in the Memphis area, uh, it's just phenomenal. And I think the most important thing is that people there are not only loyal to the Tigers, loyal to the Grizzlies, but people in, in that state, in that area, in that region, they know and understand basketball. They know and understand good players, and they take care of their own. I mean, that's why when we look at what Coach Hardaway is doing right now and getting local kids to stay within the state, stay within the city, uh, that says a lot about the program. But, again, that was established over the years because of the good fan support, and uh, it's hard for local guys to say no. And, uh, and a lot of that has to do with, again, that great fan support there in the Memphis area. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And speaking of that Memphis team, and Coach Hardaway, uh, it's a big matchup coming up tomorrow uh with you guys man what do you know about this Memphis team heading into tomorrow's matchup against coach Hardaway how do you feel about you know this is his first venture into the college level of coaching um what, what do you think about that whole dynamic that you have right now and uh the matchup uh, with you with your team against Memphis well, we've got our hands full. Uh, what, what we're going to see tomorrow is a talented team that plays hard. Uh, they're going to obviously defensively do a lot of different things, uh, but they're going to play like the personality of Penny. You know, most teams, they take on the personality of their head coach. Penny obviously was a great player. He played hard. It was very cerebral player, and that's what we expect out of those guys tomorrow. So we're definitely going to have our hands full. I mean, they've got four or five-star players on that team. They've got a good uh, – collection of guys that came back from Tubby's team and, and the new guys that he's put together. So, you know, I don't look at records. I know there's some people that are impatient 
for whatever reason, but they don't understand the process of putting together a program. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take Penny, you know, a couple of years to kind of put his imprints on that program. But what he's done up to this point has been nothing more than phenomenal, you know, in terms of wins and losses and in terms of seeing the progression of his guys. I mean, his young guys have come in, you know, they're, they're averaging, you know, 13, 14 points a game. They're playing well. Uh, they've had some neutral site games where they've been in in, in games. So uh, what he's done has been has been phenomenal. But we've got our hands full, uh, and we know it. And uh, they've definitely got our attention. It's going to be a tough game tomorrow. All right, coach. This uh, Evan Duvall again. Now you guys, you guys are in the Big Twelve, uh, which is a really good conference. I mean, you you look at uh, Kansas uh, with Coach Bill Self. They're ranked uh, number two in the country. Kansas State with uh, Bruce Weber. Uh, number 12, you guys are uh, top 20. And Shaka Smart got Texas basketball looking like it's uh, getting back on track with at number 17 early. And you also got great coaches that are, teams aren't ranked. They usually are ranked. And Steve Prom at uh, Iowa State, Bob Huggins, the legend at West Virginia, Scott Drew at Baylor. Let me ask you this. How good and deep is the Big 12 this year? And I, I hate to ask you this, but I got to ask you, man, uh, could this be the year somebody knock Kansas off in their Big 12 rank? Well, I, I don't know about that. I mean, it's, uh, you know, last year, yeah, last year, Texas Tech was up two games going towards the end of the year, and they had an injury with their, one of their better players, Keenan Edwards, got hurt, Evans, and uh, and then Texas, I mean, and Kansas came on to, to win the league again. So uh, until anybody does that, man, I think everyone is shooting for Kansas and, and what Coach Self has done with that program. It's just been great. But uh, there's not a bad team in this league. I mean, it, you, you look at, Again, rankings don't mean much, especially to us, but Oklahoma State supposedly was picked at the last of the league, and you just saw what they did in Orlando last week. That guy can really coach. He's really done a good job in a short time. Like you said, Kansas State is good. Iowa State, they'll be ranked soon. I think from top to bottom, we've got the best league uh, in the country. And uh, and you and obviously, you know, you've seen from the players, the guys that are pros now, but we've also got great coaches in this league. So it's tough. There, It's just not a bad team in this league. And, and you're challenged every night, whether you play at home or play on the road. So I would say all guns are pointed towards Kansas. And until someone knocks them off, well, they're still a leader. Uh, and they're awfully talented this year. You look at the guy. Now, Coach, you, you've been – in the Big 12 before, there was a time where you were with Oklahoma that's State. had the impact on, on their program. And with those guys, they've got to yeah. it all. So can you talk a little bit about coaching Tony Allen, the grandfather? You mentioned his yep, name. And that's of right. course, he's a cult figure in the NBA. So just talk a little bit about how it was not only to coach him, but what type of relationship you two had. Yeah, you know, out of all the guys I've coached, I've been fortunate again to coach a lot of guys who's playing professional even now today. Uh, the relationship Tony and I had was special. And, uh, you know, one of the cases of, you know, before I started recruiting him, you hear things and people say, you know, hey, you might not want to touch him. He might be a high risk. He may be this, that, and the other. But I dove into him and took him kind of under my wing, so to speak, from junior college and uh, was glad I did. He had a phenomenal career at Oklahoma State where he was player of the year. Um, obviously, we went to the Final Four and was able to get drafted where he, you know, he's got a he's got an NBA championship with the Celtics. And when he became a free agent at the time, I was with the Tigers. 
we made the call to help recruit him to the Grizzlies because of my personal relationship with Chris Wallace. So in doing so, we were able to get him as a free agent and the rest for what he's done in the area uh, for the for, for, uh, the Grizzlies is just nothing, nothing past phenomenal in terms of being defensive player of the year, year after year, and the implant he's made on that organization. But, uh, you know, we still talk. We talk at least once a week. If we don't talk, we text. I tell him I'm proud of him all the time because of what he's done, how he's raised his family, and uh, what he's done with that organization. And uh, it's just been a great career for, uh, you know, for a guy who people say can't shoot. But what he's done, and, and you know, you, you hear from the Kobe Bryants and the James Hardens. Now, what's Kevin ironic Durant's about it, Coach, when he was back at Oklahoma State, it's, it's we remember great, him as a It's just scorer, a great thing to but hear. But did you expect for him to – be in the NBA and then when his career wrapped up to be looked at as one of the best defenders of all time. Is that what you saw in him recruiting him back in junior college or even when he was at Oklahoma state? Yeah, I, I can't tell you. I expected that. I expected him to be an NBA player. I think, you know, when he was with us at Oklahoma state, uh, he was more of a scorer. But when he got to Boston, for him to get on the floor, he and I had a conversation. He and Doc had a conversation because of all the guys they had, the Kevin Garant, the Kevin Garnett's and the Paul Pierce, all those guys could score. Uh, so for him to, to get on the floor to see some minutes, he had to, you know, uh, uh, he had to define his role. And his role became that he was going to be the best defensive player on that team. And he was able to do that. So. Uh, it's just I definitely, mean, definitely, Coach, him, man. And, Coach, we definitely appreciate you for uh, have, coming on uh, the Liberation Sports Podcast with us, man, to talk about the big upcoming matchup against the Tigers this weekend and everything else uh, that we got to talk about, man. I, I'm going to ask you just one last uh, parting question. Um, we, we talk about Hardaway and everything. How do you feel um, – what should be the expectations in your mind for a guy in his situation, because you know Memphis, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, um, the excitement was at is at a fever pitch like never before. Um, when you got the dynamic of an all time NBA great combined with a Memphian and an all time Memphis great coming back to his alma mater, you bring Mike Miller, Sam Mitchell, Tony Matlock on the staff, and you recruit well. I mean, expectations are going to be at a fever pitch like they already are. What do you think? is reasonable to expect um, from Penny in the process. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think you should expect anything in terms of wins and losses. You know, I know yeah, I'm like everybody else. I want to win every game, but I'm also realistic in the process. The process being, you know, hey, let's get these young kids better. Let's see, you know, how many games we could win for these seniors and juniors guys that's been in the program. And then as we go on, let's continue to, to recruit great players. And, uh, and, the pro, and the program will get to the point where, you know, he'll be challenging for national championships and, and playing in NCAA tournaments. So I think you got to have some realistic goals. It'd be great to win the conference. It'd be great to get to the NCAA tournament. But I think more importantly, let's, you know, in his mind, he's got to be thinking, hey, man, let's really get these young guys a lot of great experience. Let's compete at a high level uh, and, and let's try to win this league. And if we can't, then, you know, what we've been able to do in terms of recruiting, uh, the guys that's coming behind, the young guys that we already have in the program, I think the future is bright. But I think there can be a misconception if people say, hey, he end up, you know, with a 500 record or a little bit 
over 500 record that he's not doing a good job. And, and I'm one to tell you that that's not the truth. You know, when you talk about uh, taking over program, the process of mm-hmm. building a program, it takes time and it takes, you know, you're going to have some, some, some one or two steps back to go two, three steps forward. And I think you might see that a little bit this year, but know that in long definitely term, definitely coach and coach like that is from the man that's himself right, uh right, coach right, glenn cyprian man i definitely appreciate you coming on as i said man and definitely uh we got to do this again soon my man anytime man love to be on and i appreciate what you guys do for appreciate you know, the Memphis, hey, coach, we appreciate actually with the podcast and everything that's just uh, right, that's coach glenn too. cyprian uh, doing the do right there, uh, joining us on the Deliberation Sports Podcast. And uh, Justice, uh, any uh, final words you got on on uh, everything Coach said there? Well, Coach Coach Cyprian is, is certainly intelligent, and, and to uh, he's got the experience and in the, in the the acumen. He was a great relentless recruiter early, and uh, he just. back to college it, it, it was a big thing so uh we, it was good to have him on and i'm sure we'll have him on pretty soon definitely definitely man and definitely appreciate you all for listening uh wherever you may be however you may be listening on all the platforms be sure you subscribe if you're listening if you haven't subscribed go up there click that subscribe button on any platform you may be listening you can get updates on the next deliberation podcast interview uh podcast segment everything else man so we definitely definitely appreciate it um so we definitely looking forward to it um evan man i asked justice i'll ask you did you have any uh any last words on uh what you thought about coach Cipri? oh man uh, he, he's just a guy who flat out knows the game of basketball you can you can talk to a guy like that for hours who, who's coached at every level of the game and and has been successful um so it was it was definitely an honor to to have him on that uh, you know, we had a couple uh, issues with times, you know, they were flying to Miami and, you know, he said he'll get back with me on. And when he said he'll get back with me, he definitely did, no matter if it's the next day or not. So, you know, he was a man of his word and, and a great interview, man. Definitely would like to have him on again. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And we definitely appreciate y'all for listening. Justice, um, hit him with the social media one more time. So they can follow and keep up with everything Deliberation. Follow us on uh, Twitter at Deliberation SP1. Follow us on Instagram at Deliberation Sports. And last but not least, follow us on Facebook at Deliberation Sports Podcast. Also, there's the open Facebook group, Deliberation Sports Community. Absolutely, absolutely. Keep up with us on all the platforms, and we definitely appreciate it. Also, uh, coming up next Tuesday, you can catch all of us on our Talk Back Live in the morning on Tuesday uh, around 925. So y'all tune in for that, man. We'll be talking the latest about everything as well. Uh, So for Justice Evan and the Deliberation Sports crew, we're out and we'll see you next time.